You know, we didn't wreck the marriage. We're, <laughs> no. just, we're, we're just picking up the pieces, right? This is what we do. We fix mistakes. It's a mistake, and like you said, we're coming in to, to fix it. Yeah, a lot of mistakes leading up to the biggest mistake. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good everything, depending when you're listening to us. Welcome back to the bunker. Day, I don't know, this feels like day 703. Everything's like Groundhog Day. It <laughs> seems like everything's the same day after day after day after day after day. So here we are, COVID-19. Um, first pandemic in our lifetime. Uh, I'm joined by my beautiful co-host attorney, uh, Kirsten Demoga. How you doing, Kirsten? I'm hanging in there. You doing good today? Continuing on the Peloton and, uh, you know. Are you on the Peloton right now? <laughs> no, no, no. But I, every day I'm on a, I'm on a streak, six week streak. Wow. You won't That's recognize fantastic. me. By the time this is all over. How often do you go to the grocery store? Every two weeks. Two weeks? Yep. And and do you shop for Mystery Man X? Actually, you know, he goes, he's good. He likes to go, but um, he'll go a majority of the time and then, and then I'll, I'll fill in. So he's good. Two weeks. That's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, And he gets the wine too, which is important. Well, that's very important. Is that every two weeks or? You buy up like cost bulk or something? Uh, sometimes it's sooner. No, I have a secret. I have a secret liquor store. I'll tell you about it. They have the best prices. And I don't, I think the, I think the mafia runs it or something. I don't know. Well, well don't, don't say it. Don't say it online. We, we, <laughs> no, we try, I won't. We're, try, we're trying to get more record. listeners. Off the record. We're, we're trying to get more and more listeners. And we don't want to, we don't want to, we, we need, we need a sponsor. So maybe we could say. Maybe it's the liquor store. Yeah, whatever works. <laughs> as long as they're open. I mean, what's going to be left? I don't know. Do you miss going out to a restaurant? You know, I was just talking about this with somebody and I have to say as someone who is an extrovert, I might be more introverted than I thought I was because I don't really miss it that much. I miss my friends. I miss seeing people, but I don't really miss restaurants that much, which is strange. Yeah, I, it it is. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure yet. I I think it's going to be weird. Would, Would you be comfortable going to a restaurant? If it opens. No, more. I would be in a panic because I'm like, a, I'm like a neurotic, like Larry David anyways. I mean, I kind of lived like this as far as germs are concerned. I live like this anyways. It's not that difficult for me. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Do you have to wear a mask when you go to eat at a restaurant? I would. How do you eat? That's the question. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they have these masks with like, that you can put a straw in, I guess. Um, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Let, let me tell you, let me tell you my new business idea. <laughs> um, maybe David can get in on this too. Uh, so eventually maybe we're going to have to go to court and, uh, or maybe we're going to have to um, appear at court, you know, via zoom. Right. We're going to have mm-hmm. to maybe wear masks or at least when we go to court physically, so what if we got like an it's a mistake mask? <laughs> what do you think, David? Some swag for the show, yeah. yeah. Guests that would on be cool. guests on it's a mistake. Receive the it's a mistake mask. Yeah. It's a mistake if you don't wear it. Oh, I like that. That's good. Speaking of guests, <laughs> we, we've got we've got loads of guests to join us today. We're very fortunate. Um, first we'll start with the with the 
in-office uh, folks that are, that are on. We've got attorney Jennifer the dog Salerno. Say hi, Jen. What, what do you think? Would you wear an It's a Mistake mask uh, court to the Middlesex Probate Court in Woburn? Um, to be in Woburn. <laughs> I would only wear the mask if it said that. If it didn't have that logo on it, no mask for me. Very good. And we also have, she made her uh, debut last week. She did fantastically. Um, she was just absolutely tremendous. Um, I was very, very proud of her. Uh, Francesca Blazina. Oh, finally. Are you going to at least plug in the music after the fact, David? I'm playing a lot of sound effects that you're talking over. You just can't hear them. Trust me. Okay. All right. I believe you. <laughs> so Frankie, young Frankie, are you, are you with us today? How are you? I'm here. Hello. Thank you again for having me. It's a pleasure She's to so be back. so lucky. <laughs> if it wasn't for COVID-19, you'd be in the office and we would never have you on the show. You'd have to it'd be a couple more years, but you got, you got lucky. So would you wear the It's a Mistake mask, Frankie? If that's what the listeners want, I'm here for it. <laughs> She's going to be very, very popular. Um, and we're also very blessed today to be joined by, by two extraordinary experts in, in, in their fields. We are with, again, for the second week in a row, the Honorable Spencer Kagan, uh, retired judge of the Middlesex and Dukes County resident. When you went out to is that Dukes the Vineyard? That is Dukes on the Vineyard, correct? Pretty good. How are you today, Your Honor? I am fine, and thank you for having me on board. Are you going to ask me about whether I would wear a mask? Of, of course, that's the next question. You've anticipated it. Go ahead, I would wear a mask if it said on the mask, "You can't afford not to sell." <laughs> I got that cut out a little bit. What did he say, Dave? <laughs> I lost if it. it. <laughs> if it said you cannot afford, you can't afford not to settle. Okay, I like that. That's good. Very good. That might be a, that might be a good mediation mask for your your mediations. I may have to buy some and pass them out at the time of the mediation. Correct, Judge. By the by the way, give yourself a plug if people. Uh, Judge Kagan um, is retired. He, he does uh, mediations for folks, including our office sometimes. Where can people find you if they, if they want to locate you besides calling me for your number? They can uh, look me up on LinkedIn, uh, and they could send me an email at uh, kaganmediation at gmail.com. There you go. And we also have um, my friend Lee Sanderson, um, who's our business valuation expert, um, live from his bunker. Lee, nice to see you again. How are you? Good, Matt. I want to thank you very much for inviting me to this podcast. I'm delighted to be here and hope that I can add some, some insight that will be useful. Well, let me, let, me, let me start with this, Lee. What, what do you think about people that um, are driving around in their cars Wearing a mask. <laughs> you know, I, I see a lot of that. It, it, it's funny. Uh, they, don't, they certainly don't need to, from what I understand. I'm currently in Florida as I'm making this podcast. I decided to hunker down and uh, socially distance where there's a nice view. Um, I actually wore a hazmat suit on the airplane to get here. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> if you, you can imagine, me. yes. You see, the yeah. first question I always have with people, like when I hear that, is where the heck did you get a hazmat suit? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's start there. <laughs> and, and why did you have one and when did you purchase it? 
Well, I called Howie Mandel and borrowed his. <laughs> <laughs> now, sir, where, where did you get that? I'm, I'm curious. I, I found a medical supply house that had them. You, you wore it full-blown? Full-blown mask, goggles, um, everything, hood, uh, shoe covering. Scared the hell out of everybody, but uh, uh, I felt safe. Do you have a picture of it that, that we can um, post on the podcast? From the day <laughs> you get it to us later. We, I, I, that would be a, I, a super yeah. visual. Did you take you a selfie? For you, I will get that to you. It's, quite, you a, it's quite entertaining. I love it. Wow. And, and did, did, were you, did people like walk away from you like more than six feet, more than usual, or when they saw you coming with the hazmat suit? How did that work? I think they thought I was from the CDC. Hey, Lee, if I could ask, what was the cost? Uh, the, the suit itself was maybe $30. It was one of those white Tyvex hazmat suits. And then I had the shields, which were uh, that doctors wear in surgery. And I had the gloves. Um, so probably a few hundred dollars in total for the whole ensemble. Yeah. But how, many times, how many times can you wear it? No, they say not more than a couple times, so I bought a case of them in case I need to go to court. I figure I'll walk in wearing one and <laughs> see if any um, – I'll see if any um, opposing counsel actually asks for permission to approach the witness. Oh, that's – Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, is that the kind of suit you had? At yes, I, I did. Hey, Judge Kagan, there's only four left at $39.99. We could, we well, wait a minute. Hang on, Lee. Are they all different sizes or one size fits all? They are all different sizes. Your, your Honor, do you think anybody would ask permission to approach the witness if I was wearing one of those? Uh, I think you'd be making the, the court office or the clerk and the judge very happy. I, I think I would, it, I would it may think intimidate. So. It may intimidate the witness, but in this day and age, uh, it's better to be uh, protected than be out there in a courtroom, whenever that may be. By the time it happens and they open it, Lee, uh, it, it could be talking God knows when for trials. Judge, would you be okay if I came in with my Darth Vader uh, mask and my suit to, to practice? And Well, that was in the back of my mind when I saw the picture that Lee just put on. And unfortunately, the, the people on the broadcast can't see it. You wonder how far extreme lawyers are going to go, uh, whether it's Darth Vader, whether it's Mickey Mouse. I mean, what falls in a protective suit? It will be a case by case, Matt. And yeah, I, I have it. I have my Darth Vader uh, suit. I, I suspect Darth Vader may be outside of the envelope. Oh, I was hoping. What about you, Jen? What are you going to wear? I would. I would be that jerk just wearing my normal everyday suit. I'd probably get more looks than if I wore a mask. And Frankie, what would you wear? What's your suit going to be? You're also now not on mute. Go ahead. I guess I'm following protocol and wearing a mask if I need to. So specifically, the, it's a mistake one to give us some shout outs. Very good. Uh, and Kirsten, what about you? You're going to wear the Wonder Woman suit? What are you, what's of going course. on? Are you kidding me? No, I, I'm not. I don't even, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Absolutely, I would wear a mask, a suit. Yeah. And, and, and Judge King, and what about what's the judge going to wear? The hazmat suit. Oh, you think the judge should wear the hazmat suit? Why take a chance? Probably, they, they'll probably take <laughs> a up. 
Okay, I'm, okay, I'm back. I, somehow right. I got muted. I think well, Dave, well, I just wanted to know, Jeff, what are you going to what What are you going to wear? What's, what's uh, if I you had I to would, go? If you had probably, to go back, I probably would wear my basic black robe, uh, and probably a deep sea diving helmet. A deep sea diving helmet? Yeah, you know the big metal ones. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's twenty thousand leagues cool. under the sea. One of those helmets. Yeah, I like. That. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, I don't think though that the weight would uh, be uh, something that I could sustain for a while. Probably a mask. Uh, maybe you know what? I suppose you could get one of those costumes. Not that I would wear it, but like a Bugs Bunny with a big Bugs Bunny, and you put them on your head. Exactly. Oh, there we go. I like there we that. go. Probably the hundred. Oh, the eighteen five. I like that one. Yeah. I think you'd look good in the in the in the yeah. copper one though. That one, the copper that one. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like We're going off the deep end, so to speak. <laughs> a little pump, but I'll bump David key the music. All right. So the reason why I have Judge Kagan and, and um, Lee Sanderson on today is I really want to talk about the impact that uh, COVID nineteen is going to have on, on divorce settlements and financial issues. So we like to have fun, but there are some important issues here that uh, we really should discuss and and get some expertise on. The first thing that, that comes to mind for me, and this is kind of a question for the lawyers, but for everybody, is if, if the party hasn't filed for divorce but has been thinking about it, is now really the right time to file? Let's just assume that there's no um, unfortunate domestic abuse or anything like that, but it's a long-term marriage uh, and it needs to unwind and the parties have been thinking about filing and they haven't done it. And uh, is now really the right time uh, to file or should people wait until the pandemic uh, kind of passes? Kirsten, what are your thoughts? We'll start with you. I don't think I, I, all right, let me think about this. I think if you do not need to engage in contentious litigation, I think you don't wait. I think you use someone like um, Judge Kagan to help you mediate um, and you can get the process done. I mean, I am very impressed with the courts. They're accepting filings. They're very responsive. Um, you know, things are moving along. But as far as trying to, if you disagree, getting a contested motion session heard where it's really important if you're talking about custody or, or financials, you know, you really, and, and I'd be curious to see what Judge Kagan has to say about this. I mean, in order to assess somebody, I, I, it's almost impossible, I think, telephonically. Um, you know, Zoom is slightly better, but I think you miss so much uh, not being in person. So if you can do it that way, I think I think contested, you know, litigation, I'm not sure it's in people's best interest unless it's an absolute emergency right now. Uh, that's my opinion. What do you think, Judge Kagan? Uh, as I'm writing some notes down, there's a couple of issues. One, of course, like in every, and unfortunately in every divorce case, it's a tactical issue. Uh, we all know that alimony stops, well, strike that, the marriage technically stops for alimony purposes at the date of the filing of the complaint. If you're dealing, uh, trying to negotiate it and you don't file, and unfortunately it doesn't settle, then when you do file it, that's when technically alimony stops. So if it takes you five months uh, and you get past the uh, certain period of time to go into the next step, that may be detrimental. 
query, and I don't know the answer to this, can the parties say by written agreement that we're going to negotiate this if it doesn't work and we file it, we agree that alimony for purposes of dates would end on such and such a date. So there's no uh, basic uh, harm to either party. Query is when you start to negotiate and you've already filed a divorce, then automatically, unfortunately, it becomes more adversarial because your client's going to say, well, why did he or she file a divorce? You know, now I want to do this. Now I want to do that. The lawyer's really got to sit down and they got to figure out how to deal with it. Do we deal with it on a non-adversarial basis, mediation? Uh, do we deal with it as uh, we go to court for a motion, which happens 99.999%. The lawyers go in the hall and they work it out with a stipulation, leave it with a clerk, and they go. That's assuming the court that the courts are open. Uh, so it's really a tactical decision. My thinking would be, because I'm an optimist, is assuming I was in practice and assuming Matt and I had a case, I would say, you know, Matt, listen, you know, I don't want to file. You don't want to file. Let's put an agreement in writing that we're not filing to try to resolve it. But if, in fact, we can't resolve it, then the filing date would have been. And I think the judge probably would have agreed to do it if everybody agrees. And then this way, nobody's under the umbrella of litigation. As a practical purpose, I think that's great. As a psychological purpose, I think that's even better, my opinion. Yeah, I think I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think I think the theme here um, is I think it, it you know it's the lawyerly answer is do you file? It depends, but you shouldn't be prohibited um, by filing because of this time. And if now's the time you need to file for divorce there are some creative options, you know, to explore, such as looking at, okay, we, we will file so that a clock starts in terms of the length of the marriage, whether it be for the marital estate division purposes or for the uh, alimony uh, period of time, but that we're going to, we're going to hold off on engaging in, you know, litigious type behavior, or we're going to seek alternative methods of dispute like mediation or conciliation or that kind of thing. And there's, there's another part to it, Matt, too, is that if you agree to hold off the stipulation to make it retroactive to a date, would have to include an automatic restraining order. Yeah, exactly. So in other words, what, what Judge King is talking about is that uh, if you are holding off on, on filing, there, there's an automatic restraining order upon a filing where your assets in, are frozen to the extent that you're not to be shifting money around or, or using money other than for legal fees and reasonable living expenses. So, you know, there are, there are methods. It's always good. I think, I think what the message here is on filing is you really – should speak to a divorce lawyer. You should speak to a practitioner to get the options, to get the effect on filing or not filing, and to seek out some solutions if you, uh, during this pandemic time, to figure out what your, your best steps are. Uh, my next question for you folks, I'll bring Lee in, is, Lee, what is the effect of this pandemic on um, valuations? Boy, uh, how much time do you have? Because I can spend the next two hours. I thought I'd start with a softball. Talking about that. We already got the hazmat suit out there, so we figured we'd start with a softball on this one. Sure. Uh, well, maybe I could start by dispelling a few, a few myths. The number one question that I get from people 
right now is will I get a better deal on my divorce or will my business automatically be worth less if it's valued during the pandemic? Because with business valuation, risk is always an element to the equation. The riskier the cash flows are, the less valuable in general a business is. Uh, we just happen to be in a time right now where we, we don't know the duration of what the risk factors might be. And we also don't know how it's going to impact access to capital. You know, all indications are that it'll be harder for businesses to finance money. So it's a very funny time for business valuation because a lot of the data that appraisers uses, use, for example, uh, prior market comps, you know, there really haven't really been many sales of businesses during a pandemic before, uh, making a lot of them less useful. So we have a, a funny situation here where a lot, you're going to hear, as lawyers, a lot of people saying, well, the sky is falling, it's a pandemic, my business is worth zero. And my opinion is some businesses will take a hit, but we can't really look at that as a blanket statement. We really have to take a practical approach and think to ourselves, you know, is this a business that could recover? You know, is it the type of business that has the staying power to get through this? Because not all industries are going to be affected. Some are actually doing quite well. well what about the, the concept of, of choosing uh, the date, a business valuation date? I mean, is there a pre-COVID date to utilize and a post-COVID date? You know, what, what do we do with, with, a, with a party that um, is going to maintain the business uh, post-pandemic or, or as this comes out of it, like in an industry that's been affected, like a hotel? Um, you know, is, is, there, is there an argument there that uh, the, there should be sort of a dynamic valuation date or are we going to be trapped with the valuation date as the date of divorce? And if you got, if it falls within this time and the business hasn't recovered, is that person, is it equitable for that person, the, the non-employer uh, spouse to be stuck with that value at that time due to the pandemic? That's a great question. I think the important thing to keep in mind is that valuations are always forward-looking concepts. So a valuation as of, say, December 31st, 2019, before knowledge of COVID may have a different uh, value than one that's contemplating that or that perhaps has lost its, um, its employees or its access to capital. You hear conflicting things right now. You'll you're going to you're going to see. Gee, the, the stock market is booming. I mean, you turn on the news today. You're going to see. Wow, the stock market is doing great. That's an indication that there's optimism in the marketplace and businesses are going to recover. But I think everyone should keep in mind that those are the largest companies in the nation that are driving that, not really the main street uh, mom and pop corporations or the more local practices with less access to capital. So they're going to be, so we have to be very careful about on one hand, the sky's falling, businesses are worth nothing. And on the other hand, the market's doing great. Everything's going to recover. We're sort of in the middle right now. I'd say for the vast majority of valuations that I'm involved in today, 
most people are interested in a pre-COVID number, December 31st, 2019. And they're interested in a, a practical analysis of how COVID may be impacting those future cash flow. So to anchor it with something pre-COVID and then to have formulas, which we're working on models for those, um, to factor in those risk factors, because the higher the risk, the lower the value. And the missing variable that we don't know is the duration of the risk. And Judd, how would you feel about viewing a matter that had a pre-COVID uh, value in, in, an ar- in an argument that's made to you that, you know, that that's the value that, you know, my client uh, was part of that value and earned that value and they're walking away. From, let's say you've got a wife and I'm making an argument the wife's walking away from the business isn't a part of the business going forward. So shouldn't she receive the value that was earned during that time or our valuation date's going to be more flexible? Unfortunately, there is no simple answer. Unfortunately, uh, let's try that. There's no, uh, there's no simple answer. On one hand, you can say that uh, the value on 12-31-2019 was X. And through no fault of either party, the value of the business went, into, uh, went down the drain. Now, we all know the law in Massachusetts always has been as the value as of the time of trial. So if the trial took place hypothetically in, uh, say, January, concluded in January, and got a decision in January, highly unlikely, then you got a question of, wait a minute, is that a change of circumstances if the value went down? How am I going to pay this? Don't know. That's a question for the appeals court or the SJC to decide in a couple of years when it gets up there. On the other side of the coin, is now you have a value that goes down, say, from 10 million to 2 million. And at the time of the trial, it's 2 million. Again, no fault of the parties, fault of the virus. The question now is why should the non working spouse, say, take 50% of the 2 million when, through no fault of hers, she could have gotten 5 million? But on the other hand, you have the husband traditionally who builds this business up when they went during the period of time post-virus through no help of the wife. The marriage has absolutely ended, no doubt about it, in January or December. Is that equitable? Is that fair to now reward the non-working spouse 50% for everything that this guy has done to bring this business back, whether the value then was uh, 10 million, whether when it goes to the court it's 5 million, it's going to be a very interesting question what judges do. And you know, absolutely know it's going to the appeals court, no matter what the judge does. Uh, again, there are other states out there that say, you know what, uh, we're going to take it as of the date of trial, went down, husband brought it back, but we're going to treat it as if it was the value as of the time of trial going back to what it was in January. There's no hard and fast answer. Compromise, absolutely. Compromise would be, well, maybe take the value then, the value now, look at it, discount it for the work that husband did 
and give something to the wife, but not half of what it was uh, in December 31st. So it's really going to be back specific, what kind of marriage, length of the marriage, how old are the kids, uh, college, what are the other assets, can you make it up somehow? But it's not a hard and fast rule uh, that it's simply going to be what he brought it back be. I mean, Lima testified is the value 1231, which fortunately everybody knows what the value is going to be because that's the end of the year. Now what we don't know is how long it's going to take for this guy to bring it back. Assuming you could get a trial date this year, whether he has enough time between June 1st and 1231 to bring it back up to something, you don't know. And then you get another problem. See, for every question and every answer, there's a problem. What if you get a spouse who intentionally doesn't bring it back? What if they what if they don't want it? The other comes up too is what if they don't want to bring it back? And that's what I just said. What yeah, if yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think she's going to sit back and say, you know what? Uh, why should I bust my hump if she's going to get fifty percent for you know not doing anything? So you, you got to look at the facts behind that. I can imagine the cross-examination uh, on the poor husband by Kristen, who says, well, tell me, sir, what have you been doing for the last six months? And he says, and he testifies, well, you know, uh, Lee Sanderson and I went golfing every day in Miami. Uh, well, how much time did you put into work? Oh, maybe an hour or two, but I laid off all my help. My help couldn't come back because they got other jobs. I mean, you can just play this thing out and it's going to come down to one word, credibility. I think that's it's an important point. And I, I think the, the message here for, for everybody that's listening is that you're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to think a little outside the box. The old arguments you might have made yesterday might not be applicable today. Uh, you're going to need good mediators like Judge Kagan, uh, alternative means of settling matters. You're going to need good experts like Lee Sanderson uh, on your side to take a look at all these issues and play, put all these cards on the table. And I think that the old rules may not apply going forward because we're just in this great unknown. And that applies to every aspect of life and it applies to the law and it applies to the most personal, intimate uh, things of all, which is a marriage, which is your job, which is your business, and a party's equitable interest in that business. And trying Matt, you, Matt you know, and I know, and Lee knows, that the last thing anybody wants to do is try a case. A, you have the horrific expense, because you'd have Lee Sanderson on one side, you have Mr. Jones on the other side as experts, chewing up a couple of days, you have that expense, you have trial expenses, you have lawyer expenses, and then you have the uncalculable psych psychological expenses of going through a long protracted trial. Now we also know because of the virus, there is a, well, there is, it's going to be a horrendous uh, backlog of cases. Horrendous. Oh, yeah. And we, you know, let's assume you file a divorce, uh, make it life easy tomorrow morning, make it June 1st. That case isn't going to see the light of day for trial until sometime next June 2021. 
And then if, 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 if that, you know, yeah. cause I'm not so sure the courts are going to be, like you said earlier, you know, the courts may not be looking at trials or even letting people in the courtroom for quite some time. You know? Right. But you know, I'm sort of being quasi optimistic. Yeah. So let's say June of 2021, you get a trial, you know, and I know in some counties and now with this backlog crushing the judges, you're not going to go day to day. You couldn't, you couldn't go day to day even before. it. So you may have day one, June 1st, day two, September 1st, and wrap it up sometime in December. Now you got to submit findings. You're going to have to wait it out. You probably won't get a decision until June 2022. Yeah, let me ask you a question about that, Judge. What do you think about the concept of bifurcating those issues? Bifurcating like the business. Value? Yeah, you can, but you got another problem. You're going to have to work out a support order, whether it's alimony, child support, education, uh, who's paying the expenses for the house. And that's based upon what you earn. Is it what you earned in 1231 or is it what you earned on day one of the trial? And now you're going to be paying that, assuming the husband uh, uses good faith and trying to bring back the business, doesn't succeed. Now he's filing a motion to come in and reduce. I mean, the bonification is easy, uh, but the problem is it's never going to go away quickly. It's going to be years before it gets done. Only thing the bifurcation is good for, seriously, parties are divorced, they can get on with their lives uh, by getting remarried or whatever. Custody you can work out, parenting time you can work out, but the economics, uh, that's gonna be a nightmare for everybody for years. Well, folks, this is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in unusual times and I, I, I really appreciate uh, Judge Kagan, you joining us uh, and, and Lee. Lee, where can we find you so people can find you if you're looking for a great expert like yourself? On 92nd Street and Collins Ave on Miami Beach. <laughs> In a hazmat suit on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can always be found. Uh, people can look me up on my website, valuationforensics.com, or they can certainly find me on LinkedIn. Uh, but these are these are very interesting issues, and I think time is – going to be the key element here. Um, Your Honor, do you, do you think it's practical, you know, I do in terms of accuracy to push off valuation dates? You to know give what? Businesses? Well, in, in my experience, but yeah, a lot of these businesses, you know, they're going to get hit with this stuff, but they're going to eventually, unless they're trying to tank their business, they're going to take steps to try to become profitable. They might have to lay some people off. They may have to do things differently. They may have to get cheaper office space. Um, it's typically the cycle that a business will go through in a downturn. Uh, but in the midst of that downturn, there's a higher probability of error. So I wonder if it makes sense in the interest of accuracy to kick it down a little, the road a little bit. You know why it makes sense uh, to do a little bit of both? Only because I'm a practical guy and most of my colleagues are practical, or my former colleagues. You start with two lawyers trying to settle the case. You start with a mediator. It's nice to know what it was worth uh, December 31st. That's the starting point. 
And if the lawyers can agree or the two experts can agree, or you say, you know what, uh, have Lee just give us his opinion as to what it is, well-respected, great uh, forensic accountant, and now you get the number. Then if you can't settle it, you just go back to Lee, say, in, uh, I don't know, uh, September. Okay, Lee, to take another look at it, yeah, what's going on? Back out, of course, whether the husband intentionally is cutting it down. Back out the fact that the wife now at this time uh, has a part, excuse me, has a part-time job. Uh, you can now look at it again. But if there's any case out there that cries to settle, it's going to be this one. But like I said, the economics, the delay, uh, it will cause serious psychiatric havoc to both the parents, the kids, because you're living in the twilight zone. No one knows. And Matt knows and Kristen knows and Jen knows and Frankie knows. You can't let it go. Once this case continues for a year, a year and a half, one of two things are going to happen. Either the people are going to be so entrenched with hatred for each other, it's never going to settle. Or one's going to say, you know what, I don't care. Just, just get me out of this. I don't want nothing to do with it. Uh, settle it. I'll sign anything. And you don't want that either, because that will come back to hurt everybody. So to answer your question, Lee, absolutely have an opinion of a number. You don't need a lot of backup data because your reputation is so goodly that I would listen to it in the lobby as a conference or in a mediation say, okay, what does Lee say? Well, I know Lee, he's been in front of me. He's got a great reputation for the sake of discussion council. Let's use that as a base number. Now let's use the number in uh, August or October as a base number. And then you can see whether it's going to be litigated or whether in fact practicability settles in. Yeah, I think putting all your cards on the table and being able to figure out you, you gotta. You, yeah, I think you have to in this situation in the, in these in this type of world we're in right now. You gotta lay your cards on the table and then figure out what the best hand to play is or, or what the best way to resolve it for people. Otherwise you're gonna be stuck, you know, waiting for the courts and you have to really think outside the box. You really have to assemble as much information as you can both pre-COVID and post-COVID to figure out what how numbers should play out and what's the most equitable solution in each case. Remember what my math says, you can't afford not to settle. Right. Yeah. This is this is the poster child. Yeah, exactly. Well this has been great. Um we are getting the hook from David. We're running out of time. We're out of time. We're post time we're over time. Uh but uh, look, we're, we're in, this is, these are tough times. These are difficult questions uh, with not, not real clear answers. And that's why you need good counsel, like attorney Kirsten DeMoga and uh, Francesca Blazina and attorney Jennifer Salerno and great experts like Lee Sanderson and great mediators like Judge uh, Kagan. So we will continue to talk about um, the effect of COVID-19 on divorce uh, you've been listening to It's a Mistake. You can find us at Barrick Law Group. Um, you can hear me on a, the Above the Law podcast, I think, this week, which was at, on iTunes. It just uh, taped the other night. Uh, and we look forward to helping uh, solve your problems as we all navigate this. And Kirsten, what do we say with the final word? We're all in this what? Together. Yay. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Stay safe, everyone. 
It's no use after crying. 